Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of AdMail. This is Adam Bergman, founder and CEO of IRA Financial. I'm here to help you find the answers to the most frequently asked questions from my clients about self-directed retirement accounts. If you want to learn more, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media. Just search IRA Financial. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of AdMail. I'm Adam Bergman, tax attorney and founder of IRA Financial. And on today's AdMail, we're going to be doing a tax bill bonanza. So all these three questions are going to center around the September 12th proposed Ways and Means tax bill. And clearly you've certainly heard me talk about it over the last couple of weeks. This is all I've been doing. Uh, everyone in the self-record IRA industry um, is unified in our fight against two main provisions, section 138312 and 138314. 138312 attempts to essentially eliminate accredited investor type investments, i.e. private placements, private equity, hedge funds, venture capital, real estate funds from IRA investments. And 138314 tends to eliminate IRAs from investing in any private investment where the IRA owner owns more than 10% or is even just an officer. So obviously very, um, what we believe, devastating provisions to um, providing Americans with choices to invest, to diversify, as well as to provide millions of American businesses with capital, right? with over $12 trillion in IRA funds, we, uh, as an industry, have estimated over $250 billion of IRA funds over the years have helped fund businesses in the United States. So um, we are in the process of educating members of Congress, especially Democrats on the Ways and Means Committee, about the importance of removing these provisions from the bill. Um, they barely raise any revenue, uh, less than $1.7 billion over 10 years and obviously um, have a, a, a extremely negative um, implications for retirement investors who want to diversify, who want choices, and who want to be able to invest in the next great American business. So um, let, let me just go right in order. Let's start with the first question. And I basically, what I did is I, I got like hundreds of questions over the last few weeks. So I essentially refined all those questions and kind of simplify them into three main questions. First, if I own private placements in a solo 401k, will that be impacted by the bill? Actually, no. 138312 and 138314 only apply to IRAs. They don't apply to 401ks or defined benefit plans or cash balance plans or even solo 401k. So obviously a big winner in the proposed tax bill are 401ks and defined benefit plans because 138312 and 138314 do not apply to them. So if you have a solo 401k, you can do private placements. If you have a solo 401k, you can still do investment funds. If you have an IRA and God forbid these provisions remain in a final bill, you have the potential to roll over those assets, if you can, to a solo 401k. Who is eligible for a solo 401k? Well, pretty simply anyone that has a business, it could be a sole proprietor, a single member LLC, a corporation, S-corp, so long as there's no full-time employees over a thousand hours other than you, another co-owner, or your spouses. So as long as you have no non-owner employees that work more 
in a thousand hours, you can do a solo. So whether that's selling uh, pictures on Etsy or uh, old Grateful Dead t-shirts on eBay or uh, Easy's or Nike's or whatever, you don't have to have a billion dollar business. You simply need to show there is a potential for profit and your intention is to um, have your activity rise to the level of a business versus a hobby. So 401ks are not impacted by, uh, at least in the 138312, 138.314 provisions. Question two, can I still do Roth conversions in a solo K? So the answer is yes and no, <laughs> right? That's the diplomatic legal question, legal answer that every lawyer answers. It's always in the middle, right? That's what they tell us in law school. You always kind of show both sides, cover yourself. So the answer is yes. If you make less than $400,000 if you're single, 450000 if you're married, file jointly, you can still do Roth conversions. If you make more than the four hundred or the four fifty, you cannot anymore. So this could be your last chance, the end of twenty twenty one, to do Roth conversions. Now I, I actually just had a call with um, a lawyer, a friend of mine that I used to work with, and he's like, Adam, I got about five hundred k in my four hundred one k. He's been saving for the last thirty years or so, and um, he's like, should I do a Roth now? I make more than four fifty. What do you think? And I told him, I don't know. You know, I've always been a Roth lover. I wrote a book specifically on the Roth IRA. So I don't know if there's more of a Roth lover than me. Maybe Senator Roth, uh, rest in peace. He, he obviously, or maybe is a bigger Roth lover than me, but uh, I wrote a book on one. And um, in God we trust and Roth we prosper. So I had everything in Roth. I've always said to my friends and clients and family, go Roth. Why not? Shelter all your income and gains from tax. As long as you're 59 and a half, Roth's been open five years. It's a golden parachute, literally free money. However, the lessons of this process since September 12th has clouded some of my perspective and I'm concerned. Can the government just change the rules again? Right? So if my friend asked me, Adam, should I convert $500,000 today? Before September 12th, I would have said, yeah, if you don't want to do it now, do it over the next five, 10 years, get it all to Roth. Um, that's where the value is. Today, I don't know. Can the government just change the rules on us again? In five years, seven years, 12 years? Can they just say, you know what? We don't want this Roth anymore. We want money. So if you're under 59 and a half, you have a Roth, tough luck, pay tax. Or if you have a Roth IRA, um, you have to move it out in the next six months. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that God forbid that stuff happens, but if you asked me before September 12th, I never would have thought the government could just kind of change the game mid or the rules mid game legally and do this. Um, in fact, I always believed that the IRA system, uh, was, uh, precious and worth preserving. And there wasn't a lot of things that needed to be done. Because it's really the only way, I believe, to bridge the wealth gap. It has bipartisan support. It works. Based off simple math. Don't trust me? Ask Albert Einstein. He said, compounding returns is the eighth wonder of the world. And that's what the retirement system is based on. Your money grows faster without tax. So I really didn't think there was any chance that the government would play around with the IRA, especially the Roth. Because the Roth is after tax. 
it doesn't really add any value. It doesn't add any revenue to Congress. So I really thought it was going to be preserved. And then September 12th came along and it's, it's taken me a while. I'm still not over it. I'm still upset um, that they would attack people's IRAs. The cap, you know, I can concede it now. It's not something I'm going to stick my neck out and defend. It's just in this environment, it's very hard to defend wealthy people. But again, I don't think from a policy standpoint, I said it before, I don't think it's right to cap people's wealth. I, I just don't think that's something we want to be doing sets up bad precedent and sets up a slippery slope. So I'm against any type of cap. You want to tax someone, you want to force them to take the money out, um, you know, when they die or whatever, and have it, have their spouse, you know, start taking it over a amount of years. Okay, I mean, it's basically what you have now. They got rid of the stretch IRA. So now let's say you have 50 million in your Roth, you die, goes to your spouse, he or she dies, your kids have 10 years to pull it out. And it's all subject to estate tax. If the estate tax limitation is 6 million bucks and you got 10 million in a Roth, you're gonna pay state tax in 4 million. Okay, so the government will get it. The problem is they want it now. <laughs> they need the money. So they see all this retirement wealth out there and they're like, let's get our hands on it. So to go back to uh, the question, if my friend asked me 500K convert IRA to Roth, uh, I don't know if I do it. Because my concern is you convert it now and in five years they come back and say, sorry, Joe, we don't care what you did five years ago. Send us back the money. Uh, so I think uh, I would be cautious now about conversions. Even if you're under the 450, I'd want to see what happens. I think, again, they're setting bad precedent. If you want to talk retirement account legislation, take your time. Have a period of reflection. Have a period of comments from the public. Do it the way you should change legislation. You don't just stuff it into a bill with 138,000 provisions. To be exact, almost 139,000 provisions. 2,500 pages. No one knows what's in there. No one's read any of it. Um, and you kind of stick these two provisions in there that no one knows anything about. And it has huge ramifications, not just on IRAs that want to do private placements or other alternative investments, but it sets a bad precedent and it really de-incentivizes people to save because people are going to say, and I've heard them say it already, Adam, I love your, I love your business. You know what? I'm just going to buy real estate. Forget putting money in an IRA or 401k. I'll take that money every year, put it in the account. I'll go buy a house. I'll get a mortgage. The government can't steal the house. Go, go let them move the house for me, right? They're not going to steal the title. Go put, let them put the house on their shoulders and take it away. They can't do it. They can take your money. So, I, you know, it's, it's really damaging. Uh, it's not healthy. It's not good for an investor. It's not good for the economy. But uh, that's kind of where we're at. So I would probably say hold off on a conversion. Just stay where you're at. Keep making good investments. If you got to pay the tax on what you pull out in 70 or you need some money after 59 and a half, pay some tax. But the worst thing you can do is do a conversion, pay all the tax on the 500K, and three years later, they come back and say, sorry, give us your money. So again, I, before 712, I never thought in a million years any of this stuff would pass. Never. A cap, maybe part of me didn't want to believe it, but these two provisions, the accredited investor, the 10%, never in a million years. Question three, will the, will the tax bill kill the use of the grantor trust for estate planning? So this is a great question. Um, I actually talked about this on a live, uh, Adam Live, which you should check out. I do every Wednesday. 
subscribe to our YouTube channel, the IRA Financial, and I drop every 12 o'clock noon Eastern. I do an Adam live. You can ask questions, just various topics. Now they're obviously, you want to say now, October 2021, they're heavily focused on the proposed tax bill. But I think you'll, you'll have some fun. You can ask me questions, kind of informal, pretty good stuff. So Grantor Trust has been, over the last 20 years, probably the most popular estate planning tool for trust and estate attorneys. It's a great vehicle for helping clients preserve wealth by uh, protecting the wealth from creditors and also against estate tax. There's different types of grantor trusts. People use them to put into life insurance. There's defective grantor trusts, um, SLATs, GRATs. Uh, people put business assets in there. They also uh, use them with uh, market discount valuations to uh, include assets and basically a legal way to protect your assets from creditors and from estate tax. So the bill, at least the proposed provision in the bill, seeks to eliminate that benefit by essentially saying that you are the grant, you are the owner of the tr grantor trust when you're alive and even when you die. Where the rules are now is you can have a defective trust where you technically are the grantor while you're alive, so you can actually pay the taxes personally for the grantor trust, so the, the trust doesn't actually have to remove any of its corpus to pay the um, tax. But on death, it becomes part of the estate and it's not your asset. They would remove that. They'd also potentially tax um, gifts to, to a grantor trust. Um, so they're going to remove the benefit. I was actually talking to a trust and estates attorney a couple of days ago, and she was really scared. She's like, this is 90% of my work. I mean, most trust and estate attorneys, this is their go-to strategy is grantor trust. You know, grats, slats, effective grantor trust, whether it's life insurance, whether it's business assets. Uh, securities, whatever it is. I mean, grantor trusts are literally, um, you know, it's like the knives the chef use in the kitchen, right? It's, uh, um, what's another analogy? Uh, it's like a calculator uh, an accountant uses, right? It's like their go-to move. So um, this is this is really big. It's proposed, I've, I've talked to a couple of colleagues or any attorneys and they, they're, they're lobbying, they're trying to get their point across. They're not super optimistic. Uh, I guess their one victory is the step up in basis. Uh, that was potentially at risk and being removed, and it's still uh, available. So if you die, your assets are stepped up. The unified credit, which is your lifetime exemption, will be reduced from 11.7 million per individual to about a little over 6 million. That was also expected. Um, so, but the grantor trust thing, I don't think people saw this coming, at least in, in the scope uh, that it's proposed. And this could be um, you know, a really devastating provision to the trust and estate industry. Not to say smart trust and estate attorneys won't find different ways, uh, legal vehicles to preserve assets from creditors and estate tax, but the grantor trust is not generally used by individuals to uh, protect assets during their lifetime. It's mostly to protect um, inter vivos um, when they pass, right? From uh, preservation against estate tax and creditors. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. I am not a trust and estate attorney. I have a great trust and estate attorney. I recommend uh, if you're listening or watching this in 2021 in October or November and the bill has not passed, the final budget reconciliation bill is not passed, call your trust and estate attorney. Go find one. If you don't have one, go online, go ask your CPA, go ask your lawyer. Um, if, especially if you have assets around six million plus, um, you're going to want to talk to someone good because there potentially are some estate planning tools that you could take into account now and use. 
uh, which may not be available in the next couple months, especially in 2022. So this may be your last chance. Time is certainly of the essence. The clock is ticking. Uh, we're, we're well past the two minute warning. We're like a minute left with like maybe one timeout at the 50 yard line. So uh, for all you football fans out there, so it's time. You, get, you gotta, you know, those four yard dolphin, you know, little dinky passes, third and eights, throwing the ball four yards, it don't work. You gotta throw the ball downfield a little bit, go get it, trust in the state attorney, get some help. So um, that would be my recommendation. So other than that, um, not many winners in this. If you wanna look at, uh, learn more about who won in this tax bill, if you can say that, um, check out, I did a YouTube uh, Adam live on this, which you can check out. Uh, I did it on October 6th. So it's on the IRA Financial YouTube channel. Um, so you can watch it at your leisure. Uh, there weren't that many winners, unfortunately. More losers than winners. Uh, kind of like being a Dolphins fan or a Jets fan. <laughs> I'm a Knicks fan too. So we had a good year last year. So I can't, I can't throw the Knicks into the Jets, Dolphins uh, wagon. But um, definitely not that many winners. Um, other than that, I'm going to keep doing uh, these uh, tax bill related podcasts uh, until things flush out. We'll get a final bill. Uh, so probably for the next four to five weeks. Um, yeah, unfortunately, not a lot of people are focusing on this. You know, I, I talk to friends and family and they have no idea what I'm talking about. They've heard about capital gains and ordinary income and uh, some estate planning, like the unified credit, uh, but they have no idea the extent of some of these provisions and what impact they could potentially have on themselves, their family, their retirement accounts, estate planning, owning life insurance and a grant or trust, uh, lots of stuff that um, could have a significant impact on your tax planning. Um, so it's obviously daunting to review it. It's 2,500 pages, 138,000 provisions. Um, but listen to me, if I don't, um, you know, hopefully I don't bore you. Hopefully I try to keep it a little bit exciting, keep it short and sweet, but also right to the point. Um, you can check me out on YouTube. I got tons of videos. I drop generally five videos a week, three podcasts. And if you're listening to this, you know where to find me, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, or I even post them on YouTube and you don't even have to look at me. So it's all good. Um, anyways, thanks for uh, listening. Thanks for watching. Really appreciate all the support. Um, again, final uh, reminder, if you are uh, disappointed and upset about these provisions, you can do something. Reach out to your members of Congress. Let them know 138312, 138314. Let them know the impact this can have on American businesses' ability to raise capital. Over $12 trillion in IRAs will be removed from a capital formation um, perspective. And also let them know that you want to have investment choices. You want to diversify and you don't just want to buy Wall Street stock. So thank you. Appreciate all the help and uh, talk to everyone again next week.